Controlling the meanings and zooming out to have perspective is a powerful way to not only just win your life, but obviously win Monday. Win Monday Nation, what is going on? It is Paul introducing you to my main man, Ryan Miller, one of the hosts of the top podcast in the VC space called Making Billions, where I was actually a recent guest, and that's how our vibe got connected. And I got to tell you, you are in for such a treat. But when you think about VCs, when you think about the world of investing, when you think about financing done right, like he took me to a place of understanding, of clarity, of confidence, and even of courage to understand his world, which has been a bit foreign to me. So now I wanted to take us under the cloak. Ryan, welcome to the show, my man. Hey, you know what, Paul? This is such an honor to be here. I've been a huge fan of your books, your show for a very long time. And in fact, a little secret that I don't even think you know is that when you were on my show, I had the benefit of having access to that show two weeks before it came out. My brother, I listened to that episode and your wisdom that you bring to your community and on your show every day. I listen to that every day just to get pumped up, my man. So I'm a huge fan. It is truly my honor to be on this show and to just represent and speak a little love into your community that I've, I've come to enjoy and appreciate so much. Thanks for having me. Of course, it's our pleasure. And that's where I want to pick up because you actually shot me a couple of one-off, whether they were texts or emails, we were totally just going back and forth well before the episode ever hit the air. And one of the things that you consistently hit me on was I talked about a values journal, which a lot of our community were very familiar. Confidence equals values times action. We go through a values exercise. We put pen to paper to make sure it turns into action. And you started a riff on what you call a value system. So why don't we start there? Talk to us about what do you mean when you say value system? Well, you know, often it's very easy to get caught up in just the day-to-day, -day, the to-do list and the tasks. And that is important, right? We, we all got it. If we're entrepreneurs or you're investing in entrepreneurs, you're still an entrepreneur. And we have so much stuff to do. And often I felt like there was a point in my life where I was checking all the boxes yet felt hollow. You ever have that mm. moment? I know oh, I have. And 100%. so you, you go through life and you're like, I'm checking the boxes yet. I can't get out of bed or I'm just not excited, whatever it is that you're experiencing. And I went through that. And so it wasn't until I really started to explore my why. And mm. often that why, and you, you hear this all the time, right? So I, I started to explore that of just being like, what is going on? Like, I feel like on the surface, I'm winning. I'm making income, I have adoration, I have respect, I, you know, all these things that we we strive for. Yep. And yet, I don't know, it felt like something was missing. And so doing a little bit of an internal introspection. Hmm. And I realized that while I was checking my boxes, they may some of them were in line with unconscious values and some were not. And so I realized that checkbox is while it's important, it's not enough to get you to win Monday. And so one of those ways that you can do it and that I found that really helped me to no longer need motivation is to align with vision and align with values. And mm. the checklist is in between. So it's not enough to just check the list. You got to check yep. the list and then make sure that list is truly checking the values. And that's where the rubber hit the road in my career, in my life, with my wife, with everybody is living a values centered life. That is important, my friends a value-centered life. When you start acting out of your values, that is power. Acting outside of it, 
you start to lose your own personal power. You start feeling like a victim. The world's acting on you, whatever that is. But it wasn't until I really got clear on my internal value system that I really felt like I took control of my life and my destiny. Mm. So talk to us about your strongest values and then how you came to put them in action. Yeah, my number one value, I remember when I was about 20 years old and I thought, you know, who do I want to be when I grow up, right? It's such a cliche now, but I thought about, now I'm old enough to remember, but I was, I was a, a, at the time and still am a big fan of classic book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those areas he talked about, begin with the end in mind. And so there's a, a stoic practice that talks about the end of picturing your own funeral. And I, through meditation, I would zoom out and I would think about the conversations that people were having about me at my wake and including the eulogy, something a little more official, but just these side things, eating funeral potatoes, whatever it is. And they're just recollecting that was he a funny guy? Was he a serious guy? Was he a jerk? Was he whatever it was, right? No rules. And I really, it came to me and I thought, what do I want people to all agree on? What is the one value, the one attribute? Everybody will have different experiences. To some people, I'm like the funny guy. To other people, I'm the butt kicker businessman. To other people, total jerk. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But what would be based not on your experience, but where does it all converge? What is the one attribute that was so wildly obvious? Or what do I want it to be, more importantly? My friends, you can do this too. This is an easy exercise, but very profound. And in the early hours of the morning, when I'm pondering this, I realized where I want everyone to agree was integrity. Mm. Integrity had to be my number one attribute. That is what I wanted people to know. That is where I draw the line. And my friend David Meltzer, he calls them non-negotiables. Yep. So integrity is number one. I expect it out of myself. And number two, I expect that out of people around me. If you can't hang with integrity, you're not my guy, you're not my girl, probably not going to work out. But if you also value integrity, we're going to get along great. And so that is where, when I began with the end in mind, that is where I wanted the convergence to happen to say, never mind your experience. We can all agree that this was a man of integrity. Yeah, where I love you're bringing us, especially you in the greater financial and investment space, we talked about there's two R's that really resonate a lot with you. And now I can easily, now that I know the backstory, I can connect the dots. So why don't you talk to us about your two R's and correct me if I'm wrong, but they feel very much as if integrity is the umbrella, these puppies are right underneath. You got it. So based off of that, I didn't stop there. And so I came up with, if it's all right, I'll tell you a little bit of of the story behind this. So I grew up in uh, the neighborhood. We'll do the air quotes. Most people know what I mean. Do you mean the hood? Yeah, that's what I mean. So I grew up in a very interesting neighborhood, wonderful family, but you can imagine the kind of things you see in there. And so at about 12 years old, I was like, I don't want to grow up in this kind of a place, right? Great family, just not the neighborhood of a lot of violence and substance and stuff. And I'm just like, how do I not have this in my future? And now the gray in my beard tells me I'm old enough to remember these old Wall Street movies, right? So remember, I'm 12 years old. And all I knew at 12 years old was there was this magical fairyland called Wall Street that made you marry a pretty wife and drive a Porsche. So to give you an idea of the mind of a 12-year-old. So I thought, hey, I don't know if that's how it worked out for me. It must have worked out pretty good. Now, obviously, it's a lot more than that. And so I set out 
first one in my family to go to college, gave up all the fun stuff us young men can do in college game, football games and parties and dates. And I just gave all that up because I was like, look, I'm going to win. I am going to win. I'm going to get my goal. And I did for about five minutes. Hmm. So I made it. My dream to work on Wall Street, I had that and it slipped through my fingers. Why? Because I graduated in 2008, to give you an idea. Ah, Graduated, got my first job. I finally made it out there and it slipped right through my fingers. That's the entrepreneur journey. Sometimes you can do everything perfect. You can run the play perfect. You can say the perfect speech and it just slips through your fingers. And so like I tell my children, life is less than what happens to you and more to do with what you do next. It's your response yep. or your reaction more so than what actually happens. And so given that I'm not American, no job, no visa, I had to leave the country, move right back to the neighborhood. And so during that time, and I believe not getting exactly the plan is part of the plan because it makes you dig deep. It makes you figure it out. And I heard a saying a long time ago, that in the moment of trials and tribulation, a man is introduced to himself. That is where you really meet yourself. And so in that moment, I realized, look, man, I'm not going to lament over what I have or don't have. That's pretty obvious what I don't have. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. Instead, let me ask myself a better question. And the answer was, well, what do I have left? And I don't know if you've ever been there, Paul, but in these times where you feel like, oh, I planned it to have outcome X and outcome X didn't happen. I've lost everything, right? You throw your hands in the air and I get it. Maybe some of you listening, have felt that or are feeling that. And I'm here to tell you that it's not what's happening to you. It's what you do next that matters. Hmm. And so what I realized by asking myself a better question of, well, what do I have left? Because I refuse to believe I've lost everything. I realized that I had the two most valuable assets that all successful fund managers and entrepreneurs have. R&R, it stands for reputation and relationships. Mm. And so if you believe that a reputation relationship is an asset, that means it can put money in your pocket. And so grabbing that bull by the horns, I was like, okay, I don't have all the answers, but I feel like I have my good reputation. People know I can work hard. People know me for being you know, reasonably intelligent. And relationships at that time means I went to school with some people that came from some pretty prominent families. And so I started to do some business and leverage my reputation relationships. And I would do consulting. And based on that, they would pay me an equity. And I built my first venture capital portfolio in the height of the the recession, all because of one thing, which was I chose to respond better. I chose to respond to say, I refuse to lay down and die. I refuse to believe I lost everything. And now based on that, I was able to unwind that I feel sorry for myself and actually find out I had assets I could leverage and I turned everything around. And here we are today launching my own fund and we're we're doing well. But reputation and relationships, those are the two most valuable assets in your possession, my friends. And learning how to manage those will entirely change your life. I promise you that. To win Monday and beyond, We all know that confidence is the ante to play. And I want to help. So if you haven't already, head over to my website and take your very own confidence quiz, where you'll walk away knowing your confidence score, 1 to 100. You'll also get my 12 keys to build and sustain unshakable confidence. Your quiz is waiting at paulepsteinspeaks.com 
May Navbar Hit Confidence Quiz. Again, that's paulepsteinspeaks.com and you'll find your very own confidence quiz right there in the main nav bar. With that, let's get back to the show. Mm. Oh, so many cool places we could go. Here's where I want to go, though. We hear the end of the story. And by the way, I say end. It's today. It's a milestone. The journey is still ahead. But at least in terms of what you just shared, you took us to present day. But you started, Circa, you said the mindset of a 12-year-old. I jotted that down. And then off camera, before we jumped on in this conversation, we were talking about family. You said you've got a nine, a seven, and a four-year-old. And you told me some things that were striking. Just the way that it originated from this thought of, and I say this as a young dad myself, mine are much younger than yours, but what would I tell my younger self? Like the world may call it financial literacy, but you and I are talking a lot about of mindset and identity. And so talk to us about the practices that, especially with your nine-year-old, you've been able to implement because as soon as we were just riffing, we were just shooting the breeze before we hit record. And brother, I I was taking notes ferociously because I'm like, I got to be doing this. I don't know if a three-year-old is going to listen to me yet, but I'm going to try. So why don't you walk us through what you do from a family perspective? Yeah. So from a family perspective, I would say, so I live in Canada. And for those of you that don't know, I'm joking. It's freezing. So often I'm teaching my son. I have a seven-year-old son and, and he's surrounded. He's got a younger and older sister. And so I teach all of them. But my son has shown some extraordinary qualities and he really wants to do his best. And I said, great, doing your best is one thing, but how about I put you in a scenario where you kind of suck, right? I call it controlled struggle. So I remove the danger and I allow you to struggle because there was a, a famous quote I never forgot from a movie called Higher Learning. It was like from the 90s when oh, I yeah. was a young man. Oh, yeah. And he said, without struggle, there can be no progress. And I never forgot that. And so sometimes struggle is an indicator that you're progressing. Not all struggle is the same, but some struggle is a sign that things are going horribly right. And so when we have things going horribly right and we're struggling, often you can celebrate and say, these are the seeds of growth. And so what does that mean in real terms to answer your question? So my son and I, we will go out and run in 30 below, right? We're properly prepared. We got like four layers on. We got headlamps because we're up and the sun's not even up. And we will run and literally we walk through. And the number one thing I teach him and then I build off of that is a simple phrase that I've found to be true, which is this. Success is an inside job. Mm. And so what does that mean? Well, for success to be an inside job, number one, we talked about your why, right? Understanding your yep. vision, getting clear. Number two, lose the victim mentality, right? When I am the most miserable, it's because I'm feeling sorry for myself. This person did that, or I could have been this if it wasn't for that. You ever be there? I know I have. And so really just conditioning your mind to not go there. And one of the things that I, I teach them is the value of reputation relationships. But most importantly, it's the value of discipline. The value of discipline can get it done. And so here's what we do is we literally have a, I almost have a script. So I'll say, what does it mean to have discipline? And his answer is discipline means you keep promises you made to yourself. You ever be in that point? And maybe that's you. Maybe it's some of the listeners out there where at some time you will give everything, the shirt off your back for someone you love. But the second you need something, boy, it's easy to let that one slide. So discipline means you keep promises you made to yourself. Number one, 
You do not let yourself down. So never make it acceptable ever to fail yourself. That's number one. The other thing is, and what does discipline give you? What does it equal? Discipline equals freedom. Now remember, this is a seven-year-old. Great. What's an asset? An asset is something you own that puts money in your pocket. What's a liability? A liability is something I owe that takes money out of my pocket. Great, son. How do you get rich? Own more assets and fewer liabilities. You got it, bud. All right, let's go. Only you know two more miles to go. And he's seven. So we have people roll down their window. They're like, you guys are crazy. You see this little guy running next to me, keeping pace. And we're learning and we're building things. And it comes down to this. Often, as entrepreneurs, as fathers, as mothers, as human beings, often we have more targets than we have arrows to hit. Mm. And so I am learning now and I continue on the path is how do you put many targets stacked together so one shot hits three targets? How about I teach my, my son as his father while I'm also taking care of my health? Success, my friends, is an inside job. Making sure that you're conditioning the thoughts, the impulses, the responses, your own spirituality, if that's what you're into. But just make sure that success isn't something that happens out there. It happens within first. Mm. Ah, so good. So good. And I love this concept of discipline. Let me ask you this, because I'm actually going to be vulnerable here for a quick sec and just say that if I were to assess my own discipline, which I do believe it can be a superpower, like at my prime, extremely disciplined, more, way more than the average bear. But if I'm being honest, so the integrity value, am I always disciplined? Do I always have the same level of discipline about everything that's out there? And the truth is no. The truth is no. So I have a thought, and I do want to share it with our Win Monday Nation in just a few seconds, but I want to get your thought first. A, do you agree that, like, do you think discipline is just a universal trait that you either have or you don't have? Or do you think that context matters? And for certain things, you're going to be 100 out of 100, motivated, inspired, and juiced up to have that discipline. But then for other things, it's a shoulder shrug and discipline is just not as important. So I have a thought, but I want to hear yours first. So great question. Thank you for that, Paul. So I would say that context does matter because here's what I do, especially when I'm pitching investors. So bear with me on this one. Yeah. What I teach people on raising capital, for example, is something I'm known for. When I teach people on raising capital is you can't control people, right? That much we know, but you can inspire them. And yep. where does that inspiration come from? So I'm going, I'm being very methodical on this. Well, I realized when I started out, right, I was in school for 11 years, right? That's, by the way, I'm not bragging. That's pretty sad. It took me that long to get my act together, but I did it. So let's celebrate that. But after 11 years, you learn a certain style, which is extremely boring, highly factual. So you get up and you communicate with people and you put them to sleep. And I was like, what the heck? How did, why, how did that not work? I put in so much work. It should be obvious, right? I could show you in my Excel spreadsheet, you're going to be a millionaire. And it never worked. And it was because I missed one thing, one important thing that really moves the needle. And I realized, I read, a, I read a research report that found that human beings, this is through psychologists, they found that human beings believe they are very rational when in fact they're not. In fact, mm. a lot of the times when true social psychologists or whoever it is that are observing, they find that humans are quite emotional, number one. We're not quite as rational as we like to believe, but we are great at rationalizing. Mm. And so using that, you can use it on yourself. I'm not saying use this as some manipulative tool unless you're using it on yourself. 
And the reason what I found to be effective at motivating yourself is not necessarily the end goal, but it's what things mean. Controlling the meanings of something will determine the response. And so often when we're able to not just say, well, here's his outcome, right? Pretty good. You want it? You like it? You want to buy my product? You want to invest in my company? You want it? Da, da, da? The answer is typically no. Because we assume that if I provide a logical breakdown, and a lot of us plan our lives this way, and we scrub it of meaning as if we're these highly rational people, but we're not. We will respond to what we believe something means, and then we will rationalize some, yep. some form of logic, yeah. whether it's true or not. We will dilute ourselves to justify the response. And so what does this mean? Let me, let me really break it down. Often, if you want to succeed, the success of an inside job, there's many things, but the number one is take control of what something means. Yes. It doesn't mean you're lying to yourself. It doesn't mean you're lying to others because number one value is integrity. But it just means you explore different alternatives to have many different vantage points on one scenario. And if you can have many vantage points on a scenario, now you zoom out and you move from having just a perception into a perspective. And when you have perspective, you can see one scenario, one person, your life, whatever it is you're trying to do from about nine angles. And now you can control the meaning and navigate on different vantage points and say, look, I now see this situation differently. Maybe you grew up with an alcoholic father, mother, whatever, neglected. Maybe it was wonderful and, and you went to prison. I don't know. There's, life is full of variety. But if you can zoom out and learn and train your mind to look down on a situation, not in a negative way, but just almost like zoom out and look at something from nine different angles, you're going to have a very powerful perspective and that's going to allow you to navigate through the emotions. We are emotional creatures. And so from vantage points, you can find different meanings that empower you. And once you have that, you can produce any feeling you want. You don't need to worry about motivation. You don't need to worry about any of that stuff because now you have perspective, you have control of the meanings, and now you can literally turn the dials to produce any emotion you need on command. So that is a little bit of a strategy. Hopefully that wasn't too deep, but that controlling the meanings and zooming out to have perspective is a powerful way to not only just win your life, but obviously win Monday. Ryan, not only was it not too deep, I will tell you brother to brother, that was one of the most powerful things ever said on this show. Because when I was sharing that sometimes I'm disciplined, sometimes I'm not, the gap is whether it matters to me whether there's meaning. And if you take it at this most North Star level, is there purpose? Is my why connected to it? Is, my, is it values aligned? Sure. But on Monday morning, decisions, actions, behaviors, like more in the weeds. But what you just even opened my mindset up to in real time is there's always a meaning that can be found. There's always a meaning that can be found. So that is how I want to share this out with our Win Monday Nation is there's always, instead of saying it doesn't matter or what's the point, you can always take a different lens. I'll share one quick example and then we're going to talk a bit about outcomes. So even me as a keynote speaker, I remember, and, and I share this very openly. So Ryan, my capacity now is, let's say, just by number of people spoken in front of groups up to 8,000 at one time. And I will tell you, confident, like just, go out there like guns blazing. It's all good. But what if I was to tell you that I used to get nervous in front of eight people in a boardroom? 
So now I can do it in front of 8,000. I almost lost my lunch multiple times in front of eight people. And the shift for me, one is I used to speak from my head. Now I speak from my heart. So it's this head versus heart piece, but also this dedication. Instead of me saying my mission is to go crush this speech, I externally dedicated it to my hero. My hero that I lost at 19 years old, which is my dad. So Paul, was it a great speech? If I made my hero proud, then the answer is hell yes. I found a new level of meaning versus just crushing it on stage because then you get more gigs and higher fees and all the business stuff. It's so not about that because I know that the person in row 20, seat eight, today can be the day that we change their life. And I know that my hero would want that impact to be possible. So I just wanted to riff on that for a second of like, you think it's a speech, you think it's a microphone. It's so much bigger than that. It really is. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And when, because if you ever been in that position that you knew what you needed to do, but you just, you didn't have the fire, not even a spark, yeah. not even yeah. a, a slow burning ember. <laughs> you're, it's just cold. Even though you're like, why this thing would be so cool. Man. You know, when I get it, I'll have this outcome or whatever. You just can't do it. Why? Mm. You know what to do, but you can't get off your, your buttons to make it happen. And I found that when you control the meaning, you can throttle up any emotional response. If you swim upstream on that process and say, what do I need to believe? What do I need this to mean to me in order to get this done? I feel like if I'm not motivated, it has nothing to do with motivation and everything to do with meaning. And so swimming upstream, controlling my meaning and just asking myself, what does this need to mean in order for me to not even think about it? Like I just, right. Yeah. Just like a race, right? The, yep. the gun goes off, the race starts and you launch into action. Why? Why do people do that? Because they are clear on what this is going to mean when they finish, when they run, whatever that is, the journey and the outcome, they know very clearly what it's going to mean. And therefore they don't need to be motivated. They have very clear meanings and therefore great motivation. Mm, love it so much. So while you were building up meaning, I mentioned we'd come back to outcome. And, and that's something where I always hear a couple of different, let's call it our relationship with money. So when Monday Nation, I would ask you, what is your relationship with money? When I say finances, when I say money, like what's that initial instinct, impulse? How do you feel? And a couple of words that I would categorize as I personally in my network have folks that it is a driver. They are money driven. And then I have others that it's an outcome. It's just, hey, if I do all, it's kind of like in sports, it's the win at all costs versus the score will take care of itself. It's the A versus B philosophy. So Ryan would love to know, is it a driver? Is it an outcome? Can it be both? Talk to us. Sure. I see it as both. And so if you take, this is the way, and, and I learned this from my friend, Oren Claff. He's written a bunch of books, Pitch Anything, Flip the Script. He's a, he's a great friend and one heck of a capital raiser. So shout out to that guy. But one of the things that I think best sums it up, and this is from his concept, but I totally get behind it, is that if you scrub money is such a, it's very hard to nail down. It's like nailing jelly to the wall of like, what does it mean? It's kind of hard to get that. But what money in itself, when you understand the whole process and central banking, we won't go there. This is not an economics podcast or I'll put you to sleep. But one of the things we understand is nobody wants money. They don't want just pieces of crumbled up paper that 800 people have had in their pocket with a bunch of dead presidents on it. 
That's not what you're after. And so by itself, it literally has no meaning. It literally has no value. Where the value gets unlocked for money is through you. You are the thing that brings value. Money needs you more than you need money. Now, depending on where you're at in your life, you may disagree and it may feel like you need a lot of money right now. Look, brother, I get it. I get it. But what I am trying to say is not necessarily whether you need money or not. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is back to the meaning. What money is, is it literally has no meaning. It's sterile. You provide that meaning to money. Money needs you to unlock value. Okay. So take it from the venture capitalist. I I run my own fund. So money needs me to unlock. Without it, it's sitting in a bank account for my potential investor. With me, it's sitting in a real estate property or a new solar company or a hedge fund or whatever it is. And we're, we're turning that into value. So it sounds like kind of a vehicle. Sort of. Here's how I see it. Now we've got the setup. Here's how I see it. It's both. So when you're saying it's a driver, I thought, no, it's a vehicle. I'm the driver. Hmm. And so I see money as an outcome and as a means. And so what I do, if you picture it, is you're kind of climbing this hill with plateaus and another hill and another plateau. And you just kind of work your way up like a mountain. And so I'll have a driver at the top of the first peak, money, maybe a certain outcome. And then I will drive towards that and achieve it. And then I flip it from money being an outcome into a vehicle that will take me to the next level. So I keep flipping between something that I'm motivated to get and then something I use to get to the next level, if that makes sense. So I flip it back and forth. So I drive the vehicle of money, not the other way around, and then I use it to just keep leveling up. So it's just a resource. It's just a tool. It's just a commodity that is, depending on who's possessing it, will determine the kind of value it unlocks. So what does that mean? Well, if I can land this plane for you, my brother, it just means Money provides no value. You do. So if that's the case, how do you create value? You turn yourself into something of value. And then when money comes in your hands, you will naturally, through the spirit of alchemy, we'll say to add a little drama, but because you have focused back to success as an inside job, because you have the mind, you have turned yourself into a valuable person. Once you get money, you can't help it. You will unlock the value. It all starts and stops with you. Mm. Mm. Ah, straight fire, dude. I love it. I love it. Okay. Just like when I came out on uh, Making Billions podcast, brother, I, I haven't even shared this with you one-to-one, but I will just say that there are a ton of folks from your community that have just jumped on board and really just gone all in on this whole philosophy of Win Monday from the podcast, the community and beyond. And now Consider this a theory of reciprocity because we are brothers from another mother. And so bigger than money, bigger than finance, bigger than an investment play. My question to you is, what are you most excited about that you're working on right now? And then please invite our Win Monday community. Where do we find you? Where do we follow you? So what are you most stoked about? And then how can we follow you, brother, in getting your web? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for that. So I'm obviously I'm building out my fund. So that's a lot of fun of building my company. The thing that excites me right now is you're talking to an investor, especially venture yeah. capitalists. So we invest in some wild stuff. We're, we're, we take pride in, in being a little bit of a cowboy here, but with a math degree. So what I, what I mean by that, in all seriousness, what I mean is I'm excited about the energy transition. I literally launched my fund because I was in the office. I was a CFO of an insurance company. It was two in the morning. 
I had a young baby at home. My wife is recovering from that. And I'm building a spreadsheet at 2.30 in the morning. Talk about a values misalignment. Yep. And back to, back to the Stephen Covey, he said, many people lean their ladder against the wall to climb to the top only to realize they leaned it against the wrong wall. That was the moment I climbed to the top. I was finally an executive before 40. I hit my goal. I got to the top and said, I need to make a change. This is not what I wanted it to be. I thought rank, role, title, and authority. I remember you talking about leadership. I thought that was the way to do it. I got the rank. I got the role. I got the title. I got the authority. And I hated it. I'm being very vulnerable. Yeah. And so I climbed off that ladder and I said, no, I was not put here on this earth to build spreadsheets for other people to make millions while they pay me pennies. And so I made a change. And then I decided right then and there, and I still have the notes, I said, I will own a portfolio of companies that other people will run for me. Because I knew this, being rich and being wealthy are not the same. While both have a lot of money, wealthy people have a lot of time and they have a lot of relationships. Mm. And the way you do that, my friends, is a little tip. The way you do that is figure out how to be an owner, not an operator. Own things mm. that other people run and you use that and you reinvest the time and the money you get from that to invest in a truly wealthy life. Don't just make a lot of money and not actually feel wealthy, right? Being rich is a bank account thing. Being wealthy is an internal emotion. So I'm here to tell you, you can figure out a way to do that. Now, I launched my own fund and I've helped about a thousand people to do the same. And so that being said, how do you get a hold of me? Well, I have a show. We're ranked in top 2% in the world and it's called Making Billions. It's all things on private investments, fund managers, entrepreneurs. We've done very well. You can follow me on Instagram. Making Billions podcast is my handle. And we've got a lot of stuff there. I'm on every platform on YouTube, Making Billions Podcast. You can follow me there and uh, just reach out to me. You'll be able to find any of my contact information there. If there's anything I could do to serve you, take care of you, please reach out. That is part of my mission. I've built my fund to upgrade humanity. We are investing in wonderful things, not a solicitation for investment. Well, I'm excited to bring clean energy to some of the most vulnerable people in the world. And one of the things that I'm very interested in investing in you asked me what excites me, is mental health, particularly mm. promising research in psychedelics, obviously in a medical environment, but treatment centers for people with mental health issues and bringing some of the most economically vulnerable people enough electricity that you can change their life. Simple things. And so my mission isn't just to be rich, it's to create many, many wealthy people. Love the spirit of Win Monday? Then join the Win Monday community, an elite tribe of like-minded and like-hearted people just like you and I, on a mission to get 1% better every day with unshakable confidence. For Win Monday gear, motivation, and exclusive content just for you, you can find it all at paulepsteinspeaks.com. In the main navbar, click on community. paulepsteinspeaks.com, main navbar, hit community. With that, welcome in and let's get back the show. If your mission is to upgrade humanity, which you said a minute ago, That's right. then Win Monday is all in. We're ready to meet you at the 50. So everybody, now you know exactly where to find Ryan, where to follow him. Ryan, here's how we're going to close out. Final question. 
it wouldn't be win Monday unless we got tactical. This isn't just some rah, rah, go yeah. get them. And yeah, enter the week and fired up. That would become a sugar high on our worst day. So yeah. we need one practice, one process. And normally I leave it open, but you said something to me as we were setting up today that you do at 2 p.m. And I was like, holy geez, like this is good. I'm almost hoping it comes up naturally. So whether you want to go there, but I just believe that there's one small tactical process that everybody in our community can implement and adopt and activate. So whether you want to go with the 2 p.m. or something else, close this out. You bet. So when I was just starting out in my career, I was uh, part of the team managing a leading this, managing a quarter billion dollar projects portfolio. And that's a lot of work. And so sometimes I was just like, oh, you know, you drag through the day, get that 2 p.m. or you get tired, you're in your cubicle, yep. what do you do? And what I found was that not all energy is physical. Some energy can be depleted or rejuvenated through mental. And so I was on this meditation kick. This was a long time ago and I, and I have been ever since and it's completely changed my life. And so at 2 p.m. I would book this breakout room and I would meditate. And after that meditation, you know, 20 minutes and after that meditation, and by the way, I remember sitting in there, I'm like, I'd feel so weird if someone walks in. It's not like candles and stuff. You're just sitting there quiet. And after that, once you get yourself in a state, right? State matters. So I would get myself in a very effective state where I'm ready to receive. And I would go on Pinterest. This is very, this is such a geeky yeah, thing that yeah. changed my life. I would go on Pinterest in this state and I would search things on there and I would save them on a secret board. Some people call them vision board. But for some reason, I would get goosebumps. Maybe it was a waterfall. Maybe it was this cabana on a beach that I pictured just my arm around my wife that I love dearly and having special moments. And I would envision this and it would give me goosebumps. I wouldn't even understand why, but I knew there was something about that waterfall, that moment, that car, whatever, that watch, I don't know. There was something about it that spoke to me on a very deep level. And so I built those things and folks, you can do this. And so sometimes we nickname it the tingle board, right? So you build the <laughs> tingle board in, in Pinterest, what I did. And you start to pick up after a while, some themes of things that you like, that you don't like, things that you're into. And it's all a very honest place. And so over time, I built this collection of things that gave me goosebumps. And pretty soon I saw what will be. And mm. so I converted that into this video and it's got motivation music and all this stuff. And it's only two and a half minutes and I watch. So I extracted from Pinterest, put them in this, this video. And I use that to prime my mind every morning. And the power, my friends, is hope. See, this is the thing. We talk about faith. We talk about grind culture and all of these things. But one thing we don't talk enough about is hope. And hope tells you that the best is yet to come. Without hope, it's really hard to be motivated. But when you have your heart and your mind filled with hope, and I don't mean just as an attribute, like you know what you're hoping for. And I don't mean, oh, I hope this happens. No. Like you are certain. It's not yeah. like this loose, flaccid hope. You know what will be. And I'll finish on this. So you watch your movie, you can get on stage. And there was a story about Walt Disney. And I believe it was the opening of the Orlando Resort. And Walt Disney passed away before the grand opening. And so his brother was there. And his brother was, was at this and reporters were asking questions. And one reporter raised his hand and he said to Walt Disney's brother, he said, this must be a bittersweet moment for you. And he said, what do you mean? 
And he said, well, you know, this is a great moment for your company, but it's unfortunate that your brother didn't live long enough to see it. And frustrated, likely, in his spicy response, we'll say, is he said, you know, that's why you're just a reporter. The thing you don't understand is Walt's already seen it. He was the first to see it. It is because he saw it that we are now able to see it ourselves. That's the power of a leader. He knew what he was hoping for. He knew what he was going for. He knew what it meant. And he never quit until his last breath. And now we all, I mean, Disney is a little interesting, but something of that magnitude, something that great and grand, one man came and converted an orange grove into one of the happiest places on earth. That is the power of hope. That is the power of vision. So success is an inside job. Build that mind movie from your tingle board and just really see the themes that come out. You know what you want. You just need to see it. Be the first to see it so that other people can do the same. That's my closing remark. Ryan, if hope was currency, hope is currency at the intersection of hope and unshakable confidence, which are the table stakes of our Win Monday community. Thank you for inspiring us. The Latin definition of inspire is to breathe life into. Today, you breathe the power of vision, of hope, and so much more. So from our hearts, brother, thank you so much for being on the Win Monday podcast. All right, my man. Thank you so much for having me. Another fire episode of the Win Monday podcast is in the books. If you gain value from today's conversation, don't forget to subscribe and share it as we grow our Win Monday nation together. Until the next time, let the rest of the world fantasize about Friday. You and I, we choose to win Monday. Yeah.